Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast, where you learn about advanced wealth building strategies from real estate investing to creating massive ROI and secure retirement profits. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab a notepad, and lean in. Because Big Mike has got the life starting now. Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. I'm the Big Mike. Mike Zlatnik. And uh, it is my pleasure and a privilege to welcome Tom Zeeb. Hi, Tom. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming to the podcast. Tom is a business coach. His expertise is helping uh, business owners, investors, and real estate develop and grow their businesses. One of his specialties is negotiations. So Tom, before we dive into your art of negotiation, maybe have you written a book? We'll have another conversation on the art of negotiation, but <laughs> tell folks a little bit about you. Where do you live, family, anything that you like to share? Gotcha. I'm originally from Buffalo, New York, and then I spent a good 20, 24 years in Washington, D.C., and now I live in Sarasota, Florida for the last few years. That's awesome. Go Bills, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's tough. I'm actually a Buffalo Bills fan. Uh, well, believe it or what not. do you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I lived upstate New York. I went to school upstate New York. And yeah, it's uh, they're a little, little little bit struggling this year. We'll see what happens. I don't know. Maybe you live in Sarasota now. You live, you you like uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. Is is that your team now? Well, I'm still I'm still hometown boy. I mean, look, it's been tough. My, my four years in high school were the four years that the Bills were in the Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl, but not winning the Super Bowl. These things Yeah, I, I remember. I remember. I came to the country in 89, and they were good those uh, few years. Exactly. So that was the uh, d- disappointing years, but at least they went to the Super Bowl. Now exactly. they can't make it that deep. So, All right. So uh, let's switch to real estate. And so how do you work with, with investors in real estate? First of all, you coach, what do you coach? Just general business, you coach negotiations. Just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, real estate investing specifically, mostly residential. I have some students that, that do commercial because the main thing I teach people is how to negotiate great deals. And that's a skill that is, honestly, you can use it in anything, but specifically in real estate investing, it's it's what gets you more deals and gets you more profit out of each and every deal. So how do you do that? Give us some some real meat and potatoes. Yeah. How do you negotiate a successful, again, a residential deal? So you're dealing with uh, you know an individual, family, their situation, of course, uh, and they need to sell for whatever reason. Hopefully you find motivated sellers. But how yes. do you negotiate a better deal? Quite often people with limited supply, they'll say, hey, I want my 200000 for the house. And, I, I, and if I don't get it, I'm not selling. Yep, that's some people. Now, if you heard somebody say that, they're not terribly motivated. When 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 they know they have time to wait for better options, they don't have enough pressure on them. So I'm usually looking for people. It's interesting that negotiation in many ways starts with good marketing. If I'm marketing for the right kinds of people that have some pressure on them, have a bad situation in their life or a bad situation with the property, they're more interested in getting that problem solved than they are waiting around for the price. And so those tend to be my best deals. So that the negotiation, I've already preset myself for that negotiation to be easier because I've marketed for the right kind of people. You understood. So you're trying to solve that problem and you want to hear the problem first. Yes. So I, I basically do negotiation in three phases. Hearing the problem first is, is very much the first stage. I call that pinpointing. We want to pinpoint 
what the problem is. Ask them a lot of questions. Dig down, keep peeling off layers of the onion to what they say and asking them for more and more and more. Because as you're getting them to talk about their problems, they're developing a deep sense of rapport with you. They're opening up to you. They're confiding things in you. And then now that you know the overall picture, you can move on to the second part, which is package. You got to be able to package up a solution that would work for them. So they've told you what the problems are. So put together a solution that would solve those problems for them while at the same time making you profit. Now, just because you know the problems and you give them a solution that would work doesn't mean they automatically say yes. That's why the third part of negotiation that you need to persuade, the persuasion piece is key. And that's really... Um, you mentioned it before when you said the art of negotiation, but it's not just the art of negotiation. In fact, the art matters less than the science. What I like to teach people is that th there's a science to negotiation. A lot of it's the, the way you expect people to respond and, and certain psychological principles that, that most human beings follow certain patterns. And so if you learn to um, use these negotiation techniques to persuade people, you have a higher chance of getting them to say yes, you have a higher chance of getting the price down to their true bottom line, which is what's going to work better for you, because it's going to produce more out of each and every deal. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So I guess you first you build rapport with them, you understand the problem, you build some kind of relationship. Do you do any kind of reciprocity, a little of reciprocity, you do something nice for them, you bring them some cookies or some honey or something to get them a little warm up because they, they usually feel the weight of their problem. It, it's a good old technique. Do something for, for, for them. Even a small gesture can buy some goodwill, right? Yep. Totally depends on the situation. I mean, sometimes that, that stuff is a very natural fit. Other times they're just happy enough that you're actually solving the problem, giving them good advice they can work on uh, and then putting together a, an offer that they realize that the sense of relief that, that they start to realize is going to happen draws them through to wanting to complete the deal with you. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I used the example of honey years ago. I negotiated with an old man and I brought him a jar of honey before even any negotiation. I just brought him the honey and then yeah. kind of made him feel uh, nice, so happy. I don't know. So let's continue the discussion. So what's your process working with a coaching student? How do you work with them? Do you work with them on a monthly basis, weekly basis, bi-monthly? Uh, how do you teach them? Do you have a program? People come and meet with you in person. I'm just curious because th this this negotiation is a very is a very important element of uh, getting the deal or not getting the deal. If you can get the right terms, that makes a lot of sense. By the way, do you negotiate in terms? Because I've seen this quite a bit where folks, they want the price. And then as long as they get that price, they're willing to give up all kinds of terms. For well, example, if they have a great assumable mortgage, well, maybe it's not assumable, you can figure out the structure, you take over their, their, their mortgage payment and the interest rates is very low. Just curious if you do any, any, any of that. Yes, I always offer terms upfront. I offer an all cash price and I offer a higher price on terms because I, what I'm testing for is are they flexible on price or are they flexible on terms? If they wind up being flexible on neither one, it's probably not a deal or they're not motivated enough yet for me. I might have to might have to sit them out for a month or or, or six weeks and then call them back and see if things have changed. So I'm always offering uh, cash and terms because when you give somebody a choice of offers, they also they start debating between your offers. It, like it, Mike, if I make you one offer, 
what can you say to me? What are your choices? I know. Hey, I'll give you a $300,000 for the property. The yes what, or no. To buy yes or no. Because I made you one offer. But if I make you two offers, if I say I'll give you $300,000 cash for the property, or I'll give you 330000 if I could pay you out over 10 years. Well, what are your options now? Yeah, you, you automatically, you're forcing them to think about which offer to take rather than yes or no. Correct. Now, yeah, so they're debating offer A, offer B, offer A, offer B, but they could still they could still say no, but they don't think of saying no as fast because now rather than take it or leave it, they're debating the merits of your offer. They could still say no. They often do, but you've got them thinking about those offers first, and that's important. Then when I then I can dig down and realize, okay, that most of the time they go, well, you could offer more. So I want the higher price, but I just want to get out. I don't want any fancy terms. Great. So I, I have them merge the offers together and start to move me up because I always want them moving me up to quote unquote their price. That way they feel like they won. That's a really important thing when you're negotiating. Let the other party feel like they won. That's a, that's a great wisdom. I, I love it. You, you're basically letting them come to a conclusion and letting them put together a counter offer that which you actually would love to probably take, but you are giving them the opportunity to give you the offer rather than the other way around where you give them the offer and then they have the negotiation power. Because if they, they, they count that whatever it is, it's almost like they can't come back. They, they this is this is what they <laughs> uh what they came up with. So uh but maybe you you sort of um influence them. The art of influence makes a lot of sense. There's also some other you know things occurring in the background. It, look, barely anyone functions totally on their own. And most people have a, a family member they're going to talk to, a, maybe a spouse, a, a significant other, a kid, uh, you know, a, a friend. They, most people have somebody else they're going to discuss the deal with because they just need a little bit of assurance. And so if <laughs> if if you make them an offer and they take it and there's been no back and forth, if you haven't actually negotiated and, and made them fight for their price, well, when they go and talk to that other person, the other person looks at them and say, wait a minute, they offer you that and you took it? You know, you, you didn't you didn't push back at all? So they don't have a leg to stand on. So when, when you learn to make somebody fight for their price, when you learn to make them bring you up to their price, you're also giving them a leg to stand on when they're talking to other people. Because then they say, oh, you know, what do you mean you're selling the property for uh, 300,000? They say, well, hey, initially he offered me 250. I got him up to 300. And so now they feel like they won and, and they have a legitimate leg to stand on when they're trying to rationally explain it to other people, which basically means they're trying to rationalize it to themselves. So it's an important thing to, to bring somebody through the negotiation process. The process itself actually helps lock the person into your deal. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. I appreciate you sharing this because that affirmation by a family member is important. And uh, do you pull in, when you're talking with a family, do you pull in husband and wife? Do you try to do it in front of both of them? Or you try to do it in front of one and then let the other one kind of, and if, if it's an elder person uh, and they, they, they need a son or a daughter to help to make a decision, do you loop them in? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's break those down. A, a couple, if they're, if they're, they're obviously joint decision makers. I always want all the decision makers there. Otherwise, what winds up happening is I think I have an agreement with somebody and then they go get objected to. So I'd rather have all the decision makers together. It might be siblings. Uh, it, you know, it might be spouses. So I want them there. Now, the other scenario you brought up, if I'm dealing with an older seller, I want to negotiate with them 
But if I have the least bit of inkling that there might be an issue, particularly as they get older, I definitely want the family members involved because I want their confirmation of it. I don't want anyone thinking I've taken advantage of this person. And I certainly want them there so that they there's no mental competency uh, issues or questions. So I, I want to show them that you know, we're doing what's best for this person. And that's confirmed by everybody else. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You certainly want to make sure, like everything is a win-win. This is a win-win negotiation. You make them feel good about what they've accomplished on their side. And uh, obviously, you know your numbers. So yeah, makes sense. So how do you teach all this to students? Like Basically, what you described is uh, it's a developed technique. It's a developed methodology. Um, and folks that are in the business, that are looking to get better at this component of their business, they need uh, and they could benefit from your coaching. How do you do this? Is there webinars, workshops? How do you do it? Yeah, I've got a whole process I bring people through. So students in my program, we meet twice a month online. And I also do a couple of in-person events each year. So that twice a month online, and a lot of the training is on negotiations. There's always open Q&A, so people get to role play with me on the negotiations. That helps move them through. But what I take all students through at the very beginning when you join is the one thing that makes everybody better at anything. So what what makes you better at something, Mike? Well, that's, that's a tough question. <laughs> uh, what makes me better at something? I mean, it depends. I, I, I don't have a straight answer, but uh, motivation. Yeah, practice, motivation, yeah. practice. Yeah. So I've got to bring everyone through practice. So I go through a whole set of, of different exercises I want people to do. And then I, I give them kind of um, live fire exercises, so to speak, where I want them calling and talking to motivated sellers. That way they can start to get the flow down of what I've taught them. I say, look, at the beginning, don't worry about it. It's not going to flow right. You're not going to like the way you sound. The, the But the only way to get better at that is to actually do it. So I have everyone go through multiple times that they're going, uh, they're, they're talking to motivated sellers and going over my different systems uh, of negotiation. That way they get better at it. It starts to become more natural. And they realize, I said, look, the art doesn't matter at the beginning. The art is how you say it and how you deliver it. That'll develop with time. What's more important is just the science behind the techniques that I'm teaching. Because you'll be surprised, you can totally flub it up. You can you can totally sound awful on the phone, and yet the technique will still work because it's the it's the science behind that technique that's working. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, framework helps, and then repetition is the mother of learning. And yep. yes, repetition <laughs> makes you better. <laughs> yep. Practice makes uh, all of us. Practice makes perfect. You just keep keep doing it again and again until you get better. And the funny thing, it's it's a little bit, you know, you have to overcome your own fear, uh, uncertainty, doubts, and then you just kind of do it. And if you do it enough, you get so much better. And it's almost like you are getting people, uh, like a coach in anything, any sport, right? Your best performance in the field can, can ever be worse than the worst uh, practice or something like this, something along those lines. Maybe I missed, goofed it up. But if you practice really well and you, you get to the point where you are excellent, then you'll do well in the field. Yep. It starts to become natural. So what I what I teach people too is when when you learn the different components, it's I call it my negotiation stack. Stack because you, you can stack the techniques in a different way each time. It's very modular because different human beings, we're all different people. So if, if I talk to the first motivated seller, I, I need to stack my negotiation techniques in one way. But I talk to the next person, they behave totally different. They've got a totally different story, totally different way of talking. I wind up having to create another custom stack for them. So each time I do it, it 
I get to modularly put everything together and it makes it flow the right way, which is what I really like. That makes sense. So you have to evaluate who you're dealing with, right? That's probably step number one is to understand your customer or who yes. you're chatting with. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So um, what other advanced nuggets do you teach? Just just curious uh, for folks to, who would like to learn. Any other great shares, if they, they start working with you, uh, what else do you give them? Like just secret sauce and any, anything else yeah. you can share? Well, let's do a couple of uh, let's do a couple of techniques, Mike. Let's see what happens. So, uh, Mike, say a number. Twenty-four. Twenty-four? Really? Now that's called a flinch. I flinched when you said a number. Now, how did you feel about your number when I flinched? I don't know. I felt a little, little, when you when you said a number. I thought, is it a digit or a number? The first thought and digit, I would have said, you know, six or four, okay. five. But a number, I could have said seven hundred. 39,864, right? <laughs> yep. And I would have said, and I would have flinched the exact same way. So what, how did my flinch make you feel about the number that you said? Okay. I don't know why I'm a little surprised that, that you, you, you don't like my number. You said, I need number. I said, it's, it's a number, right? That's a good exactly. number, right? To me, it's a good number. It's a good, to you, it's a good number, but clearly I didn't like it. And so if, you know, it, that's a very common uh, thought that people have. So when, when, when someone flinches at your number, you start going, well, I guess that number's not right. So if I asked you how much are you selling the property for and you gave me a price and I flinch, you're, you're clearly thinking, oh, I guess he doesn't like that number. That number must not be right. So that's the one of the first techniques I use is always flinching at a number because it, it, it softens the other side up and gets them kind of self-doubting their own number. The second technique I'll use then is, is called bracketing. I, I want to create a bracket around their number and my number, so we get to where I need to be. So where do we tend to meet? Like, where's the most fair spot for two people to meet? Well, it depends on uh, depends on, on your approach, right? If you ever if you ever if you ever read a book, never split the difference, right? But the, the natural the the natural thought is to meet in the middle. But yes. there are some folks who yes. never want to split the difference. My way or the driveway. Right. I guess so. I <laughs> I haven't read but, it. Okay, meet in the middle. Let's, general, let's go with that. Splitting, splitting the difference is a great technique when you use it right. So, but yes, we, we tend to meet in the middle because that feels the most fair. Okay, so what what my bracketing technique does is engineer where the middle is. I put the middle to be exactly where I need it to be. The middle becomes my maximum allowable offer. So, if if I asked you how much you're selling the property for, uh, and you said three hundred. But let's say my analysis says I need to get it for 250, but you're saying 300, you're $50,000 high. Well, that means if I'm going to make if I'm going to make my target price the middle 250 and you're 50 high, I need to go $50,000 lower. So it's, it, that way that way 250 is in the middle. So you flinch and you come back uh first you flinch and then you come back, boy, I thought this uh, you know, I, I I didn't think I was going to pay over 200. Something like that, yeah. right? Could be something like that, except I would modify it a little bit because I would never pay two hundred thousand dollars for that property, but I would pay two hundred three thousand five hundred seventy nine, because the third negotiation technique I want to teach you guys is the is specific numbers. Always roll out a super specific number like that because it sounds a lot more scientifically calculated. It sounds like you really know what you're doing. It sounds analyzed. Your, your number is going to be taken a lot more seriously. Your offer is going to be taken a lot more seriously by the other party because it's a specific number. It's not just 200,000. It's 203,579. 
they're thinking, wow, how do you come up with that? That's good. You know, they, there's something serious about it. So I always want your offers to be that kind of solid. So the, those three techniques I love. I, I, I've got 52 different techniques I use. Those three I use in pretty much every single negotiation because they're that powerful and that important. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing. These are really good nuggets for folks who are negotiating. These are pretty powerful, uh, simple techniques. Yeah, I love the specific number, whatever it might be. The all the way down to a dollar. That really makes somebody feel as if you you did your math. So, uh, how would folks reach out to you? I just just what, what, is there a good website? How do they uh, learn more about your programs? Share a little bit. Of how, how you know what's the best way to to get a hold of you? Yeah, two ways. If you want to learn more about negotiation, my my podcast is called The Art and Science of Real Estate Negotiation. You can find that at tomzeeb.com. That's T-O-M-Z as in zebra, E-E, B as in boy.com. And if you'd like to watch a lot of training videos and other uh, and learn more about the program, that's at tractionrealestatementors.com. Tractionrealestatementors.com. Yeah, I appreciate it. I like the the simple names. Tom Zeeb, you have a you have an easier name to spell. If people can't can spell Tom Zeeb, then I oh, it, it often gets misspelled. I think just because we both have Z's in our name, that's uh, we, we <laughs> it always gets misspelled. That's why I, you know, Z is in zebra, E E B is in boy. Yeah, but the second website a little 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 bit long. Uh, TractionRealEstateMentors.com. I guess it's yep. I guess you could spell that. Uh, it's, it's theoretically these are easier words because correct. You know, so. Thank you for sharing. Uh, any final thoughts? Any final share? Any uh, obviously great uh, negotiation techniques? This guy asked you about the book. Are you in the process of writing a book? Because uh, these the, these negotiation techniques are advanced and powerful, and most people write a book. <laughs> yes. So uh, funny you mentioned that. I have a book out already. It's called How to Correctly Flip Houses for a Profit. You can find that on Amazon. Just type my name and it'll, it'll show up. There's also an audio version available. And I do have a new book coming out on negotiation. Not ready to reveal the title of it yet. It's in editing. Uh, hopefully be done in the next couple of months. And it's uh, it's it goes deep into a lot of negotiations. Really, I'm, I'm very happy with what I've written so far and the way it's shaping up. So I think it'll be an excellent read for your listeners. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, the techniques you share, some basic stuff is awesome. I'm sure the book goes deep and some really advanced techniques. And at the end of the day, like you said, practice. So whatever they read in the book, they have to practice, 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 and that'll make them a better negotiators. Practice just those three things I just taught you as well. I mean, practice using those now. I mean, you you know them. <laughs> now you can use them. Go forth and use them and watch what happens. I think you'll start to see really good price drops that you'll be impressed with, and then you'll want to learn more. Yeah, I want to see that when I go try to buy a car. They, they, it works. <laughs> they want one price. You're gonna, you're gonna say, "Oh my God, I thought I, yeah. I would never pay more than this for this car." Go take a hike. We got a limited supply. We got buyers lining up to get the car. Don't try to negotiate with me. But, but I guess it works. You got to have a motivated seller, and and a, and a car dealership is not a motivated seller. But maybe you can do it if you're buying a used car. Yet it still works. I did it. I did it with my car earlier in the year. And yeah, it is. It's a tough car a buying market. It's hard for the buyer. It's much more on the on the car dealer side. Uh, yet I, you know, I I managed to get get the car price down, and I was happy. Rolling out a whole bunch of different techniques and and hitting it from different angles. So it's it's all very doable. You'd be surprised. Everything's negotiable, and all we do in life basically is negotiate with other people. Yet they don't teach it in school. That's why I I find it odd. It's such a powerful skill. 
yet it's not really taught anywhere. And that's my main mission is to get people negotiating properly because everything is better. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's funny how it is in the business schools. They don't even teach you the art of negotiation. They'll teach you finance, they'll teach you accounting, they'll teach you mm-hmm. management, but they don't teach you the art of negotiation. So great to have you, having you on a podcast. Thank you, Tom, for coming. And once again, TomZeeb.com and TractionRealEstateInvestors.com is the way to reach out to Tom. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for listening to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. To receive your copy of Mike's How to Choose a Smart Real Estate Fun Book, head to BigMikeFun.com or visit Amazon and type Mike's slot name. Keep listening and keep investing Big Mike style. See you on the next episode.